Turn to someone and say happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to us is more than a season. It is an attitude of our heart. Paul said when you present any requests, do it with prayer and thanksgiving. When he wrote a letter back to the church at Philippi, it was filled with his gratefulness to God and for them. And so today, in our final message on the parallel tracks, we're going to focus on something very important, and it's this. Worship is not informed by our circumstances. Rather, worship informs our circumstances. I don't want to be let the temperature of my heart and spirit of gratitude to be set by what's happening around me. I want what Jesus has done for me in saving me to set the temperature of my spirit that then will inform the atmosphere around me saying, no matter what, God deserves praise and I will praise him. Amen? Come on. That's what I'm saying today. We're, we're looking at life not as uh, good seasons, bad seasons, hills and valleys, but parallel tracks where you're dealing with both at the same time. And so it presents choices. If we're going to be joyful, we have to choose joy. If we're going to be worshipers, we're going to have to make that choice. Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 4, if you want to turn in your Bibles there, find that verse. It's powerful. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Now, when he writes this, To the church back at Philippi, he is now in a prison in Rome. It is not a favorable circumstance, and so we see that he is living this out and being intentional because nothing of his circumstance would have informed worship at that moment. Be reminded that the church at Philippi was started by Paul preaching the gospel in the temple. That created persecution. A demon-possessed girl got healed. That created more persecution, and Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. The Bible says after they had been severely beaten and put in the lower part of the prison, that Paul and Silas worshipped at midnight, like at the darkest time, at the most difficult time, they prayed and sang praises to God. So nothing of the outward circumstance was motivating the worship. It was coming From a deeper place. It was coming from another source. And that is the focus of what I want to talk about today. Paul is the one who helps us with this. Because he wrote so clearly that as sinners. We don't need help to go from being bad to being good. We need the kind of power that can take us from death to life. That the wages of sin was not badness, but death. So I need more than a betterment program. What I need is the kind of power that can take a spiritually dead heart and bring it back to life. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, every one of us in this room have a story. And in church world, we will call that a testimony. And at times, we will share somebody's story, and it tends to be dramatic, filled with a lot of twists and turns and and issues that are messed up. And we say, look 
at what the grace of God has done in changing this person. And when you're listening to that, if you've not done that much in your life, you can think, wow, you know, my testimony's not all that, especially compared to that person. You know, I just don't have that kind of a story. As if we need to go out and get a testimony. But I want you to be reminded of what Paul is saying here. That every single one of us are born with a sin nature. And no matter what you have done or how much you have done it or not, all of us were born spiritually dead. And we had no power to save ourselves. But this awesome God in whom we serve today is the one who has raised us to life. And so whether your story is capital murder and many years in prison, drug addiction, all kind of dysfunction or not, what levels the playing ground is all of us have a testimony because those who are saved have been raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. Celebrate it if God has raised you to that place. Now, this is the way Paul said it when he was writing to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That's it. Works can take you from badness to goodness, but only the power of Jesus' grace can take you from death to life. This past Friday, I went to visit a man in the hospital, and I had to go from the first floor to the 10th, and I was waiting for the elevator door to open. All week I've been thinking about this gift of God that has raised us. We were down and we were out. And we had no power to change it. But the gift of God is that he would lift us, raise us, save us. And it would be a life-giving power. So walking in that thought... As I was getting on the elevator Friday morning, the Lord brought to my mind an illustration that Louis Giglio used to express grace through the illustration of what happens when you're on an elevator. When you and I get on an elevator, we just punch the button and we go from where we are to where we want to be. We don't give thought to all that is happening so that we are lifted to that new place. Actually, it's amazing. There are cables Cables that are connected to these huge steel plates that are called the counterweight. And the counterweight weighs more than the elevator car and more than 60% of the elevator's occupancy. So that when you and whoever gets on the elevator car and pushes the button to go to another floor, the computer sends a signal, the pulleys start working, and it releases the counterweight. The weight that is more than the weight of the car and all of those in it. So that as the weight comes down, 
all of you in the car go up. When I got on that elevator Friday morning and that was rushing over my mind, I had to go to the 10th floor and there were, we stopped like three times as people were needing to get on and continue up. And by the time I got to the 10th floor, I have to be honest with you, I was uh, having church. You know those experiences where the Lord just makes something so real to you that you can't deny it, and you start celebrating it right then and right there. It it is just something happening in the inner man that has you motivated by the love and the power of Jesus. Because you get what I'm saying today. The bottom line is this. When the weight of God's gift to us was dropped, when the weight came down, it was sufficient for all of humanity when they would call out on the name of the Lord to then lift them from where they were, which was spiritual death, to where they longed to be, which is spiritual life. Let me read to you message paraphrase Ephesians 2. It says, He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this all on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up. He lifted us and set us in the highest heaven in the company with Jesus, our Messiah. When Jesus came down, we were lifted up. In the Old Testament, the word weight is used for the glory of God. The weight of God is the glory of God. In the New Testament, it says, we have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So the weight of God, which is the glory of God, is really Jesus. Jesus is The glory of God. And when God gave his best. His only son. And Jesus came down. Jesus came from heaven to earth. Not anything we could do to make that happen. Purely out of the love of God for us. Jesus came down. And when the weight of God's glory came down. It was sufficient for all of us to go up. Praise God. I want you to think about this as we enter Thanksgiving. His righteousness weighed more than all of our unrighteousness. His holiness, it weighed more than all of our waywardness. And when he came down, we were lifted up. Peter writes and says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. And here's the wording. The righteous for the unrighteous. And the last phrase says, so that he could bring us safely home to God. Jesus suffered. The righteous for the unrighteous. He came down. So that he could lift us up 
and bring us safely home to God. Paul writing in Ephesians says, so that he could seat us at a new level, in a new place, that being in a position of righteousness, right standing, reconciled to God, in relationship with Jesus, now receiving purpose out of that grace that gives us life that is abundant, overflowing, to the full, more than anything we could ever ask or think, is the gift of God. When the weight came down, we were lifted up. This is our story today. This is our testimony today. Now, it was a weight enough, not just for your sin or my sin, but all of our sin collectively. For all humanity. The first Sunday of November when I started this series on the parallel tracks. At the end of that service, seven people came forward and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I have no idea of their backstory. All that they were personally bringing in their story of spiritual death. I just know that the weight of Jesus came down and it was enough so that when those seven cried out from their desperation and darkness, that grace was enough to lift all of them at the same time to a whole new level of life and position in Christ. Just a couple weeks after that, our youth had their one big party outreach. When the altar call was given, 34 teenagers walked forward right here in this room And accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That weight was enough for all 34. Last Sunday, Pastor Chance taught our children the message of salvation. While we were here, he was there with all the kids. And he gave a very direct, powerful altar call. Many have posted about this on Facebook all week. As 52 of those children lifted their hands saying, I would like to accept Christ, got up out of their seats, walked forward, and were led in a sinner's prayer accepting Jesus Christ. 52 children. When I went to the hospital on Friday to see this man, Devin was coming out of the elevator He had been seeing another person who doesn't go to our church, but we had got the call and the request, and he went. An elderly man that doesn't know Jesus and is in a very critical physical condition. And by the time Devin left that hospital room with all the challenges that are represented by that need, he had led that man to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And here's... Here's the truth that we're learning and being reminded of today. That these 52 children who don't have all the water under the bridge of that elderly man. Or the seven on the first Sunday of November. Or the 34 teenagers. Here's the bottom line. Every one of them. From the man in the hospital to the 52 children. Were dead in their sins. But the weight came down. And it was powerful enough to lift each one of them, children, youth, 
adults and senior adults to a whole new level from spiritual death to spiritual life changed by the power of Almighty God. That's what we celebrate today. And if you know that in your own heart, then that's what informs your worship. You don't come here today able to worship because of what circumstances are around you. You worship out of a deeper place. You worship out of that place where you know Christ found you, saved you, changed you, lifted you. That's what happens. See, when this weight of grace comes down, it not only lifts you up, I'm telling you, it's impossible to understand this without worship going up. If you understand this, worship will rise. And when worship rises, hope rises. When worship rises, things happen. Paul wrote the whole book of Romans, and in the 12th chapter he said, in view of God's mercies, let us offer ourselves as living sacrifices, which is our reasonable, acceptable worship. He's not just talking of a segment in a worship service, but a life of worship. That I would live my life as praise to God. In view of his mercy, in view of the fact that the law couldn't save me, in view of the fact that I was condemned by my own sin nature, in view of the fact that I had no power to save myself, in view of the fact that God, rich in mercy, gave his son, and by his grace, I have been made alive. In view of the mercy of God, I will give him praise. Go ahead. He's worthy. He's worthy. When Israel was finally delivered from the bondage of Exodus... The word is very clear. When the weight of deliverance came, worship went up. It's an inseparable link. The blood that dripped from the dead body of Jesus wasn't even dry on the ground when the Roman centurion, a man far from God, said, Behold, you are the Son of God. Worship. In Psalm 40, the psalmist says, I cried out to the Lord and he lifted me to a whole new place and he put a song in my heart. Have you experienced that? Do you know that same transaction? You cried out in your darkness and your hopelessness and he heard you and he lifted you out of that place and put a song in your heart. Worship. That kind of worship that rises from that deep place of relationship, that's what informs the circumstance. That is what sets the atmosphere to God. So in life when nothing is all bad, and in life where nothing is all good, it's both at the same time, I will rejoice, and again, I will rejoice. Peter writes in chapter 2, verse 9, these are amazing words. He says, but you, 
are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. A chosen people. That means we didn't do anything to get picked. We didn't somehow show God how we could be valuable to his team. We were dead with nothing to offer. And in our sin, he chose us. In our unrighteousness, he came. And he took our sin upon himself and became sin that we might be his chosen people and found clothed in the righteousness of God. Not only are we a chosen people, we are a royal priesthood. What does that mean? It means we have direct access to God. Now, I've allowed it to be quiet in here until right now. But there needs to be a synergy between an ordinary preacher and ordinary church people who have been raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. There's not a thing special about me and there's nothing special about you. We are all people just saved by the grace of God. And I am not here talking at you talking to you, I'm here celebrating with you what someone has done for us without which we are helpless, hopeless, and going to be lost forever. We are chosen people because God chose us. Yes, we're a royal priesthood, which means we have direct access to God. To God. Think of someone that you would really like to meet They live now, and you have a respect for them. You're amazed by them. And you think, just to spend a day with them, just one day. Somebody give me a name. Just shout out a name you'd like to spend a day with. Paul McCartney. Kevin Durant. Spiritual bunch in this 1045. I was thinking Billy Graham. No. (laughs) Kevin Durant. Imagine if... If I could arrange for Pastor Chris Tomlin Cunningham, who's sitting right here on the front row. If I could arrange for him to spend an entire day with Kevin Durant. He, that would be amazing for him. He, he, he wouldn't need an alarm clock that day. He would be on it, right? I mean, because that's... I have those kind of people in my life that I would, I'm like, you mean I get to spend a day with them? That I'm going to have access to them for a whole day? Now come back to our text. Every one of us have direct access to God. In the Old Testament, there was a priesthood of a few. But in the New Covenant... It's the priesthood of many. And everyone who is saved has direct access to the universe maker, to God himself. I think we ought to put our hands together and celebrate that blessing of grace. Wow.
He says, you are a holy nation. That means he took all of our sinfulness, all of our badness, all of our unrighteousness, and he put it on Jesus. And he took all of Jesus' goodness, everything that was wrong about us, he took and put on Jesus. Everything that was right about Jesus, he placed on us. (laughs) So that now you and I stand in right standing with God, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by the righteousness of Christ, who died our death, who took our place and bore all of our sin and offered an acceptable sacrifice to God so that we might be reconciled. It's by the blood of Jesus we have been brought near. It's not with silver and gold. It's with the life of Christ that has purchased our salvation, redeemed us from the curse, and given us right standing with God. You're a holy nation. Praise God. Praise God. God's special possession, which just means you're approved by God, appointed by God, given purposes of God. He delights in you. He loves you. He's not against you, not angry with you, not frustrated with you, not insecure about what you're going to do, not worried. He, he, there, he's just God and you're his special possession. Now, when we get that, Worship rises out of that place, and it informs the circumstance. So no matter what happens, I never have to be without a sacrifice of praise. No matter what comes in this life, there's always reason to rejoice. And I'll rejoice with intensity and intentionality. Rejoice. This letter to the Philippians It's a thank you note. It's Paul in that prison. And you know what? I'm about to write and tell them to rejoice, so I'm just going to live it out. I'm going to be intentional. And He takes out his pen and he says, if I'm going to tell them to rejoice, then I'll, in the first part of the letter, tell them that every moment that they come to my mind, I give God thanks. He began to rehearse reasons of gratitude. I'm going to ask Susie to come to the keyboard. Matter of fact, the worship team can come. Have you ever seen Jimmy Fallon? On Fridays, he'll say something like this. On Fridays, I check my inbox. I return some email, and of course, I send out some thank you notes. And so he sets up this atmosphere of sending a thank you note and he even asks for some music. And so it kind of goes like this. He'll take his pen and he'll say, thank you. Thank you, OU, for winning. And Coach Stoops becoming the winningest coach in OU history. Ain't no OU fans in the 1045 service. Thank you, OSU, for routing number four. 
(laughs) You get it. That's how this works. Routing number four in the country. Good. That's it. Now here's one for me. Thank you that the Razorback baseball season is about to start. See, life runs on parallel tracks. It's not all bad. Let me take it to another level with you today. Lord, I want to thank you for never giving up on me. I want to thank you for looking across the gap from heaven to me. I want to thank you for leaving the glory of heaven and squeezing divinity into humanity. Thank you for being born in this fallen world. Thank you for feeling temptation but resisting. Thank you for staying on course. Thank you for willingly accepting the conflict of the cross. Thank you for receiving that cup. Thank you for letting them take you into custody. Thank you for letting them condemn you. Letting them beat you for me. Thank you for taking all of my shame and all of my guilt. Thank you for offering final payment for my sin and dying my death. Thank you for rising again that I might be brought to spiritual life. Thank you for dreaming me up. Thank you for spending divine time on me. Thank you for wiring me with a unique gift. Thank you for carving out a course for my life. Thank you for being faithful in the midst of my uncertainty. Thank you for being compassionate in my compromise. Thank you for being loving. Thank you for being powerful in the depths of my weakness. Thank you for being that shepherd who has led me and at that same time, that Savior who sanctifies me. Thank you for the breath that is in my lungs. Thank you for the people in my life. Thank you for my wife, my sons, my daughter. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for my church. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for taking all my sins, all of them. Thank you for this life and the hope of eternal life. Thank you that 
I am who I am by you and everything I have comes from you and everything that I'll ever be is a gift from you. Thank you. See, it's so easy to allow circumstance to invoke a negative confession and we start talking out of lack, what we're not, what we don't have. What we wish was going on right now, what could be better. And we miss that there are many reasons to rejoice. And it all starts with that grace of God given to us. So from my heart to the heavens, Jesus, be the center. Be the center. 